So the big question is this. You're a freediver or a spear fisherman, and you have a strong desire to improve your freediving abilities. You're just not quite sure how. That is the question, and my podcast, Freedive Live, is your answer. Join me as I take a deep dive into all things freediving and discover even more about this amazing sport that has given me so much. My name is Ted Hardy. I teach people to freedive deeper, stay longer, and become safer. Welcome to Freedive Live, episode number seven. Today, I'm going to cover probably what I consider the most common beginning freediver mistake. And that's simply wearing too much weight, putting too much lead on that belt. This is a common mistake for a variety of reasons, which I'll go through right now. One of the reasons this happens so often is people that are new to freediving struggle to get off the surface. They struggle to get down to the bottom. If you're struggling to get down, adding weight sure does make a lot of sense. When I first started freediving in the Keys, I was a dive instructor and I didn't really know anything about freediving at all. But I certainly remember I would freedive at Sombrero Reef, 20, 25 foot. I would wear no wetsuit and I would jump off wearing two six pounders, 12 pounds. That is a stupid amount of weight, right? For no wetsuit, it's just ridiculous. But the reason I did it was I felt like, yeah, when I put all that weight on, I don't spend any energy to get to the bottom. And then I told myself, well, yeah, it's kind of hard to get up to the surface, but I'm a scuba instructor. I got big, strong legs. I dive every day. My, my legs can handle it. I can totally relate why so many beginning freedivers put on extra weight because it does make sense. You're struggling to get down, put more weight on. In fact, if you ask a more experienced feeder, hey, like, you know, I see the way you just go down so easily. It's just so effortless. Like, you know, what should I do? It's not uncommon that they're going to go, oh, you just need to put more weight on because it does make sense. I know there are a lot of accomplished and good freedivers and good spear fishermen that wear a lot of weight. And their reasoning is, well, I want to make it as effortlessly as possible to get down to the bottom. I want to make it so that, you know, I just have to kick a couple of kicks and then the negative buoyancy just takes me and I can just sink down, right? That way I'm more relaxed and they'll say things like I'll get more bottom time that way, which I'll address a little bit later. I think that is the opposite of outcome. Another reason it's so common is because it's so common. I mean, if everyone's overweighted, then like, how would you know to be not overweighted? If everyone you're diving with is wearing too much weight, then you're just going to be doing what they do because they're more experienced than you. And so it just ends up where so, so many people are overweighted. Most of the students that come in my class have a good amount of freediving experience already. And 90% of them are overweighted for sure. They don't think they are, but they are. The worst case I ever had is I had a spear fisherman from Miami and he was wearing 14 pounds on his belt and he ended up, he only needed four pounds. He was 10 pounds overweight. When I took all that weight off, he was like, oh, Ted, there's no way I'm going to be able to dive. There's no way I'm going to be able to leave the surface. Guy was doing 115 foot dives, no problem. And way, way easier without all that lead. But we'll get into that in a little bit. So that's a couple of reasons why people wear too much weight. And they seem like pretty good reasons. So now I'm going to address why you don't want to wear too much weight. And really, what does too much weight mean? I mean, relative to what? And that's the crux of this issue. When I say someone's wearing too much weight, I mean a very specific 
thing. And what I mean is, if you were to have a blackout, wearing too much weight means that once you black out, you will sink to the bottom of the ocean. When someone has a blackout, there are two places they could end up, either on the bottom of the ocean or floating on the surface, which seems like a better place to end up. Yeah, on the surface, not on the bottom of the ocean. And where you end up if you black out is completely dependent on how much lead's on your belt. The average freediver and spear fisherman just wears too much weight. And so if they have a blackout, they're going to slowly sink down to the bottom of the ocean. The only thing that's going to prevent that from turning into a fatality is having a buddy right next to them when they surface so that if they black out and start sinking, there's someone there that sees that immediately and knows what to do. Unfortunately, a lot of freedivers and spearfishermen do not have a buddy right next to them when they surface. So when someone has a blackout and they're overweighted, which most are, and there's no one right next to them, which is very common, they sink down to the bottom and there's yet another freediving spearfishing fatality that was completely and easily prevented. It's not the blackout that causes us the problem. It's the water in the lungs that kill us every time. When you sink down to the bottom of the ocean, you've got a maximum of about two minutes before you're going to reach terminal gasp and you're going to take a breath. And if you're in the bottom of the ocean, that's going to be all water and that's it. I've had two neurologists in my program and I asked them the following question. I said, I would imagine that you did more damage to your brain when you were in college and you drank so much that you blacked out than you would during a freediving blackout and, and both neurologist said, yeah, that's actually probably right. So again, it's not the blackout that's causing us the problem, it's the water and the lungs. Now, I'm not saying blackouts are good for us, and we don't want to have blackouts, but we definitely don't want to have a blackout sink to the bottom of the ocean and then be dead. Here's another way to look at this idea of wearing too much weight. And I know a lot of free diver, I know a lot of spearfisher, and they like to wear that weight because they talk about, yeah, but it is so easy to get down there, and it increases my bottom time, and I'm super relaxed and all that, Okay. But let's look at it this way. When you wear a lot of weight, when you are overweighted, is it easy to get down? Yeah, of course it is. That's what overweighting is, right? You know, it really takes no skill to get to depth if you're overweighted. I mean, you just point your head down and then down you go. I mean, as long as you can equalize your ears, it takes really little skill to get to depth if you're overweighted. So yes, it makes it easy to get down. And it also makes it hard to go up. I mean, right? If you wear a lot of weight, it makes it easy to go down. It makes it hard to go up. 90% of the issues happen at the surface after two or three breaths. 9% of the issues happen between 15 feet in the surface. So 99% of the hypoxic issues, loss of motor control blackouts, are going to happen 15 feet to the surface. So when you overweight yourself, you're making it so that you have to do more work and more difficult for you as you go through that danger zone. Now, if you're weighted my way, it's flipped around. It's it's harder to go down. Absolutely. If you wear less weight, yes, it's more work to get down. But what about going up to the surface? You're on the elevator ride. It's easy to go to the surface. You're just going to get to the surface super easily. In fact, there's no difference in the workload. All you're doing is where are you doing the work? If you're overweighted, simple to get down, hard to go up. If you're weighted my way, 
hard to go down. Elevator ride to the surface at the most dangerous part, at the part where you're most likely to have a problem. There's no difference in work. It's just a matter of where do you do it. And from a safety standpoint, it makes more sense to have the elevator ride to the surface, especially if you're a spear fisherman, because you are often going to be shooting a fish and you don't stone it and it does not want to come to the surface. So you're having to fight the fish and you're having to fight all that extra weight. My students learn that by having an efficient entry, bend, lift, pull, kick, having a really good kick, being streamlined, elbows in, head in position, not cranked where looking where you're going, creating all this extra drag. And when you get a good kick, when you get a good entry, what my students find is it's actually easier to descend than when they were overweighted, right? So so yes, when you wear less weight, it's more work to get down. But when you couple that with good technique, better kicking and being streamlined, now it's a win-win. Now it's just as easy to get down, but you have the elevator ride to the surface at the end. People that have been doing it this way a long time, it's hard. It's hard to change their mind. But my students all, almost all of them are way overweighted. And then they come through the program and they, and they see and then they get it. Many years ago, I was lucky enough uh, to go through Sherry Day and Daryl Wong's uh, spearfishing program they did partnered with PFI and Kirk. And the first time I went through it as a student, and the second time I went through as an instructor, not that I was teaching spearfishing, but I was just kind of helping organize the freediving side of things and like making sure everything was safe. One of the coolest things about that program, well, that program was just awesome for a lot of reasons, but one of the coolest things was I got to spearfish with Daryl Wong. Me and him were out in Fort Lauderdale, 70 foot of water, diving together. I will put money that that is the safest Daryl Wong has ever been. I mean, when that guy came up to the surface, I was like right on top of him, right? I was all over this guy because I'm thinking, man, that would be really bad for business to lose Daryl Wong. Oh yeah, Emergent Free Devin's great. He's the guy that killed Daryl Wong. I mean, go take the course. I'm sure it'll be great. Now, during that course, I did an experiment and I weighted myself the way a typical spear fisherman that comes into my program is weighted because I see what they're wearing and I see what they leave with. And it's very common that they're wearing four pounds too much weight. I mean, sometimes a lot more. I put about five extra pounds on the belt and I was diving at 70 foot. And here's what I noticed. When I started my dive, it was awesome. I mean, it was awesome. I I mean, I, I felt like I had to do like four kicks before I was sinking down to the bottom. I mean, I'm just like, I just feel like I'm, you know, getting on a scooter or getting pulled down by the elevator. I mean, it was awesome. I spent no energy and was just boom on the bottom. The first thing I noticed is when I started cruising across the bottom, I was smacking my fins into everything. I was hitting the bottom. I was hitting the reef. I was hitting the sand. I was smacking everything. And I'm like, what is my malfunction? Like I couldn't understand why I couldn't operate normally. Um, and it's, I realized because I was wearing all that extra weight in order to go perfectly horizontal, I had to overcome that negative buoyancy I had that I wasn't used to. So instead of my fins being directly behind me and just propelling me horizontally, they had to be, I had to provide a good amount of upward thrust as well as horizontal thrust so that I wasn't smashed on the bottom. So it took me a second to get that sorted. Eventually I was able to start cruising around. I see that a lot on the, you see the videos of the spearfishing guys, especially like on the deep wrecks and you watch where their fins are. You can see how much upwards momentum they need to apply on their kick just to go horizontal. So anyway, I got it sorted around where I wasn't smashing and stuff. I cruised around, didn't see anything, started head up to the surface. 
And one of the first things I noticed was, wow, this is, this is a lot more work than I would expect. And, and I started to feel a little bit of that like lactic burn in my legs. Now, at the time, I was a 200-foot diver, so I, I could tolerate a large amount of lactic burn in the legs coming up from that depth, right? And I'm not saying coming up 70 feet felt exact, not, it's not the same, but I couldn't believe that I felt anything in my legs at all. I couldn't believe I felt any lactic burn. I couldn't felt believe I felt any sort of like, wow, this is work. But obviously I was able to, you know, work my way up and get to the surface. I was just a little surprised by how much, how much more difficult it was. And so then I'm breathing up on the surface and I'm doing drops and drops and drops. And what I realized is my bottom time, it was cut by probably about a third of what I was used to. And to be honest, I was surprised because the way I understood it is when you wear too much weight, you're just shifting where the work is, right? So now I clearly saw that it was easy to get down, but it was hard to get up. But I would, I didn't expect my bottom time to be any less. I just, you know, I understood I was, it was not the safer way to do it. What I realized is because I was overweighted to that extent, when I was breathing up on the surface, I was always having to do extra work to keep that snorkel above the water, which meant I wasn't as relaxed as I normally am, which meant my heart rate was higher than it normally was, which explained why my bottom time was less. So by wearing that extra weight, it was reducing my bottom time because I was having to spend a little bit of work at the surface. Now, let's be clear. I'm not saying that I was like, you know, head up out of the water, gasping for air, you know, trying to tread water. No, that's not what it was. But I did have to spend some energy and work that you normally do not have to spend when you're weighted my way. We want to be at the surface to be as rested as possible, heart rate as slow as possible, and only focused on our good diaphragmatic breathing. The last example I use in my class for explaining why it's not in your interest to overweight yourself is let's look at the competitive freedivers. We're trying to dive as deep as humanly possible. Every competitive freediver is trying to dive as deep as they can. They're pretty singularly focused on that. Imagine years ago when I was a new competitive freediver and I was at Deja Blue, the performance freediving competition, and Kirk, the guy that started performance freediving, the guy that I learned so much of everything from. Imagine if he came up to me and said, hey, Ted, I see you're trying to get, you know, 200 foot today. I'm like, huh? He goes, hey, here, take these take these extra four pounds and put, put these four extra pounds on. And if you do that, I guarantee you, you'll be able to do the 200 foot dive. If Kirk came over and told me that it would absolutely increase my performance to wear four extra pounds, I would put it on. I'm like, safety be damned. I've got all these safety divers around me. They're going to take care of me. Like, what does it matter? The point I'm getting at is if overweighting gave competitive freedivers any advantage, they'd all do it. We'd all overweight the heck out of ourselves, right? Because competitive freedivers will do anything to get an advantage. Competitive freedivers do not overweight ourselves because it is a disadvantage to your freediving, which is why we don't do it. It doesn't help. It only hurts. There's no freediver. There's no spear fisherman. There's no any breath holder of any type that wants less bottom time. We all want more. Now, at this point, you understand why people do overweight themselves, and hopefully you understand why you shouldn't overweight yourself. The likely question on your mind right now is, well, am I overweighted? I, I don't know. How, how, how do you know? I don't want to be overweighted, but I'm not quite sure how to tell. And that's what I'm going to explain right now. 
one of the more common questions I see in all these Facebook groups is how much weight should I wear? And then like, I always laugh at all the answers, you know, because you just get all sorts of crazy stuff. The first useful answer that I will see put out there is someone will say something, either a freediving instructor or someone took a freediving class. They'll say, oh, you want to be neutral at 33 feet, 10 meters. Meaning that if you were to go to 33 feet or 10 meters and just hover, you would neither float nor sink. You would, that's what neutral point means. You would just hover there. And that is an excellent, accurate answer. In fact, that's one of the waiting tests I do in my class. I've got all these pictures online of my students at the plate. They're hands spread apart and they're not moving. And and that's what I'm telling them. I tell them to go to the plate. You're going to turn around, head up, feet down. I'm going to wait till your momentum is stabilized. So you've got no upward or downward force. I'm then going to give you the sign for opening your hands. And at that point, I want you to let go of the plate and be still as a statue. Don't move. And I'm trying to see, are they floating or sinking? That is certainly one of the ways for deciding if you're wearing the right amount of weight. Neutral buoyant at 10 meters, most freediving class, most freediving instructors will do that. That is not my favorite way for people to determine their weighting, but I'll get into that more later. But that's like, you know, I even do that in my classes, but it's still not my favorite way, but we'll discuss that more later. Next up is my favorite weighting test. And this is what I call the surface safety test. As I said earlier, when someone has a blackout, they're either going to end up on the bottom of the ocean or floating on the surface. That's going to be totally determined by how much weight they wear. So the way to find out what would happen to you if you were to have a blackout is simulate having a blackout and then see what happens. When someone has a blackout, they are going to let out some of the air that's in their lungs, but not all of the air in their lungs. Here's what it sounds like if I were to exhale all of the air. So I start with the breath and then all of it exhaled would sound like this. Right, that's me pushing as hard as I can, exhaling every bit of air out. There's no way a blacked out free diver would do that because they're not doing anything active because that's like the opposite of being blacked out, right? They're not going to be actively pushing the air out. What they will do is what's called a passive exhale, right? Which sounds like this. The air is in the lungs and then the exhale is like this. It's a passive exhale. It's like a sigh. So try that along with me. Take a big breath in and then just do a sigh. You just let the air come out to that natural level without putting any force to push the air out. So that's how much air would come out if you had a blackout. In order to test that, right, you get it now, right? You're going to jump in the water wearing whatever weight you normally wear. You're going to take a big breath in and you're going to do that relaxed exhale like a sigh. And then don't move your feet, don't move your hands and see what, and see what happens. You're either going to float or you're going to continuously sink. If you are continuously sinking down to the bottom of the ocean, that means that's where you would end up if you were to have a blackout. The first thing I do with every student in every class is we jump off the boat, we get to the rig and I say, all right, let's do the service safety test. Big breath in, relax exhalation, let's see, right? If they're sinking, take a pound off, do it again. This is another reason why we like one and two pound weights. 
not uncommon for a spearfisherman to show it to my class and they've got two, four pounds on their belt. And I say, all right, you're too weighted. You're, you're wearing too much weight. Take a pound off. And all they can do is take off four pounds. I like this test because it's so simple. It's so fast to do. I tell my students every time they jump off a boat into the ocean, as soon as they get in the water, first thing to do, relax exhalation and make sure you're not sinking. A lot of students make the mistake. Uh, maybe they take a free diving class or some other way. They find out, yes, I need four pounds or I need five pounds or I need two pounds. And they think that's just like always the amount of weight that they're going to need. But that's, that's not the case at all. For instance, in my class, we've got a uh, top of the line Ocean Rec 45 suits. So these are uh, really high quality suits. They're more buoyant than the typical suit. So if a student were to wear my Rec 45, and let's say they needed four pounds, and they think, I always need four pounds. Well, if they wear another three-mil suit that's maybe not as high quality, is less buoyancy, whatever, they'd actually be overweighted. But if they just jumped in the water into the exhalation test, they would know that. Other things that can affect your how much weight you need is gain weight, lose weight, you're in the springs instead of the ocean. So that's going to be a huge difference, freshwater versus salt. So that's going to make a huge difference. So you got to make sure you adjust for that. Then if you change your suit, not only if you change the millimeter suit, again, like I said before, a, a three mil oceaner and a regular three mil, we're going to have different weights. Well, what if you have a 1.5 mil suit? Well, you just changed how much buoyancy you have. So you're going to have to change the weight that you wear. What if you take your uh, bottoms off and you just wear the wetsuit top. Again, you've changed your buoyancy. So you've got to redo the, you've got to change your weighting. So the bottom line is there's so many factors that can change that. That's why it's always a good habit to, when you jump in the water, go <gasps> relax isolation and just see, it takes two seconds, just get in the habit of doing that every time. And now you're never gonna get caught off guard. There are some limitations to this test. This test does not tell you if you're properly weighted. It just tells you that you're not overweighted, right? For instance, if I jump in the water wearing my wetsuit and no weight belt whatsoever, I do the relaxed exhalation, I'm not gonna sink. Does that mean I'm weighted properly? No, it just means I'm not overweighted. We don't wanna be underweighted either because then it takes too much work to get off the surface. One thing that comes up a lot in class, and it's actually really, really funny when it does, but it happens a good amount of time, is I'm talking about weighting and wearing too much weight. And sometimes a student will say, oh, but Ted, no, 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 I'm good. I don't I don't wear any weights at all. I'm fine. I say, oh, well, what kind of wetsuit do you wear? I don't wear anything. I don't wear a wetsuit. Don't wear any weights. I'm good. I'm like, yeah, but you're overweighted. And they're like, Ted, I said, I don't wear any weights. I don't wear any weights. I don't wear anything. I'm like, yeah, I understand you're overweighted. And then there's always that moment where the student like, looks at me and then looks around the other students. It's like, like, is everyone here in like disguise, the office meds or something? Like, I don't know how to make it any clearer. I don't wear any weights. I can't be overweighted. Yeah, you can, <laughs> right? If you end up at the bottom of the ocean after a blackout and you're not wearing any weights, guess what? You are overweighted. This can happen based on your build. I've got tons of students that come in my program. They're super fit, no body fat, lots of muscle. So that means they're negatively buoyant. They're sinkers. Even though they're not wearing any weights, if they were to jump off my boat and do the surface safety test, they're going to sink, which means they're overweighted even if you're not wearing weights. Therefore, a lot of my students need to wear a wetsuit, not only for warmth, but for safety. So there's these guys that are constantly going to the Bahamas and they're, you know, they're not wearing any weight belts at all. 
and they're not wearing any suit or they're wearing a skin, but they're definitely overweighted from a safety standpoint. So even getting like a, you know, one and a half mil top can be enough. But ultimately the server safety test will let you know for sure. I personally don't have that problem. If I jump in the ocean, no wetsuit on, no weight belt on, do relaxed exhalation, I'm going to float like a cork because I've got a body built by beer, bourbon, and barbecue. One of the many benefits. Sometimes this comes up in some of the freediving competitions. I'll be getting geared up and, and some of the other athletes are like, wow, you wear that much sled, Ted? Like, that's a, that's a lot of weight. Like, maybe you ought to, like, I don't know, like, go running or lose some weight or something. <laughs> and then my response is like, look, I've got massive lungs. I'm sorry you've got such tiny lungs. That must be really hard for you. Now, there is what I consider the gold standard of waiting. And I'm going to tell you why I don't recommend it. But what we know is 90% of the blackouts happen at the surface. By passing the surface safety test, we know that if you were to black out at the surface, you wouldn't sink. That's awesome. That means 90% of the times you're going to be good. But 90% is not 100%. Another thing I tell the students is 9% of the blackouts are going to happen between 15 feet and the surface. So 99% of the issues are going to happen between the surface and 15 feet, 5 meters. Now, if you pass the surface safety test, that means you won't sink if you black out at the surface. What happens if you black out at 15 feet? We don't know. We haven't done any tests for that. We've only tested that you would not sink if you blacked out at the surface. My final test, which I, again, I call the gold standard test, is I have the students do a pull down to five meters, 15 feet. I have them turn around, head up, feet down. I have them holding onto the plate for about five seconds, make sure there's no momentum going up or down. Then I give them the sign for a relaxed exhalation, just like you did of the surface safety test at the surface. Now I have the students do that at 15 feet, relaxed exhalation, exactly the amount of air that you would let out if you had a blackout. And then I have them let go of the plate. And what do I want to see? Not sinking. <laughs> I want to see slow, steady increase to the surface. As long as I see them heading up to the surface, I know that now if they blacked out at the surface, they stay at the surface. I also found out, not from guessing, but from testing, that if they black out at 15 feet or five meters, that they will end up at the surface. So that's the gold standard is relaxed exhalation, 15 feet, five meters, making sure we've got upward movement. So I've described three different weight tests. The surface safety test, relaxed exhalation at the surface. I said neutral at 33 feet, 10 meters. Very common, most all freediving instructors in class will do that. And then I've got what I call the gold standard, which is a relaxed exhalation at 15 feet, five meters. So again, now we know that 99% of the issues would be okay. The one weight test you will hear me constantly talk about and recommend is the surface safety test because it's so simple. I mean, it's, you can't mess it up. You do relaxed exhalation and that's it. Let me tell you why I don't like the 10 meter test, neutral buoyant at 33 feet, 10 meters and relaxed exhalation at 15 feet and five meters, unless you're in a free diving class. Because those tests, in my opinion, are extremely difficult to do accurately. Let me explain what I mean. When I do the neutral buoyancy at 33 feet, 10 meters in a freediving class, here's what I have them do. I have them either do a pull down or, or they kick down to 33 feet. Once they get to where the plate is, they I have them turn around so their head up, feet down. I have them hold onto the plate and then we sit motionless for five seconds. 
before we do the test to let go of the plate, I need to make sure all the momentum is gone, right? If they're like, you understand if you like bomb down to the plate and then you turn around, sometimes in that turn around process, when you turn head up, feet down, you've got some upward momentum. So if they were to let go of the plate right then, that upward momentum is going to shift them up. And I'm going to be like, oh, wow, you guys need, you need definitely more weight. I need them to stay motionless for five seconds. So I know that there's no momentum. Then after five seconds, I give them the sign. I tell them to open the hands, then which means let go of the plate. And then I give them the sign, stop, don't move a muscle. Don't move your feet. Don't move your hands. Still as a statue. Because once they let go, I now need to see if they're going up or down. And for, to my, in my opinion, I want seven to 10 seconds of that not moving. Here's the mistake I see all the time. Students let go of the plate and they hover motionless for three seconds. And in their head, they go, yep, I'm either going up nor down. Therefore, I'm weighted fine. And then they want to head to the surface. I'm like, no, 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 no. Everyone will hover motionless in the first three seconds because you just let go of the plate, right? You need that longer amount of time, to me, seven, 10 seconds to see, right? Because if you start sinking, you're not going to sink fast at first. You're going to barely sink. In fact, you're, it's already going to be noticeable. It's going to take some time. And then as the longer you hold that, that, hold that position, then we really get to see what happens. I have seen, when I train instructors, I watch instructors make that mistake. I watch them do the neutral test. They have them go down to 33 feet or 10 meters. And sometimes they don't know about stopping the momentum. But definitely when I see them tell the, the student to let go, it's very common that I'll see this, the instructor say within three or five seconds, the test is good. And in my opinion, you could still be overweighted or underweighted, but because you didn't wait long enough, you didn't know. There's been a lot of freediving classes that have been happening, and there's lots of terminology and things that get kind of spread around the freediving spearfishing public, which is all good. And one of the things is a lot of people have heard, be neutral at 33 feet, 10 meters. In my opinion, most people that do that test outside of a freediving class definitely are not getting an accurate measurement. I just described how in a freediving class and perfect things, I still, it's still, I think a lot of people don't get it right. I see, you know, when I train instructors, they I, I, all the time they're doing it incorrectly, in my opinion, because um, they don't wait long enough or they don't have the momentum shift right. When the average freediver or spearfisherman does the test on their own, a lot of times they don't even have a watch. So they don't even know where 33 feet is. They just go where they think 33 feet is. And they sit there for a couple of seconds. They're like, yeah, I'm not floating. I'm not sinking. So I'm good. Maybe they do have a watch and they are actually going to the precise depth, but are they motionless? Have Do they have no momentum when they start? How long are they hanging out for? And this is why I just believe these tests are difficult to do accurately outside of a freediving class. And again, I have so many students that say they have done the test and they're weighted correctly. And then when I test them, they're overweighted. That's why I like the surface safety test. It's simple. It's easy. Relax exhalation. You can't mess it up. It's instant. You don't have to be at a certain depth. You don't have to have a watch. You don't have to have this momentum stuff. Just sit at the surface, do relax exhalation. In my opinion, it's just really hard to do that neutral at 33 foot, 10 meter test if you don't have a line. And most of my students, they leave my class, they'll never dive on a line again. So I just described a lot of different ways why I think it's hard to get an accurate reading outside of class with the 33 feet neutral buoyancy at 33 feet, 10 meters. I definitely believe it's even way more difficult to try to do the one at 
5 meters, 15 feet, and relax exhalation, because now you're adding even more variables. Here is a way that you can use the surface safety test to try to mimic or get you the results of the gold standard, which is relaxed exhalation at five meters, 15 feet. So let's say you've got a belt of ones on and you are on purpose, got too much weight on. So you go to the surface, you do relaxed exhalation, you sink. You're like, yeah, I figured I was too overweighted. And you take a pound off, relaxed exhalation, and you sink. Take another pound off, relaxed exhalation, and you sink. And then you take another pound off, relaxed exhalation, and now you are not sinking. So at this point, you know that if you had a blackout at the surface, you would be good. But you do not know what would happen if you had a blackout at 15 feet. So you can try to mimic that by just take off another pound, right? Just take off one extra pound. And now you're, you're basically, you're giving yourself more safety margin. And will that mean you will precisely uh, float if you have a blackout at 15 feet? I don't know, but you're getting closer to that, if that makes sense. So that's kind of another way you can look at it. I just listened through this podcast and I heard something that makes sense to me, but I don't want to make, I want to make sure it's, it's everyone understands what I'm getting at. And so several times through this podcast, I said something like, yeah, so if you do a relaxed exhalation, you don't sink. If you black out, you're all good. What I mean by that is, if you're passing the surface safety test and you black out at the surface, you won't sink down, you won't sink down to the bottom of the ocean. So that's all good. I'm also assuming that, that there's someone that's trained in freedom and rescue and that's close enough to grab and can fix the issue. If you are by yourself or your buddy is 500 feet down the reef, you know, doing whatever, if you black out, even if you're weighted properly and you're at the surface, you're not all good. You, you still can die, right? Just because you're at the surface doesn't fix the issue. You still need someone there to fix the issue. It will be much easier to fix because you won't be sinking underwater and you'll be much easier to deal with. But obviously you need someone there at the surface that knows what to do. Hopefully with this information, you will have a better understanding of how to weight yourself, understand why so many people do overweight themselves. And hopefully I've convinced you that it's not in your interest to be overweighted. And I hope you get a good grasp and understanding of how to use that surface safety test, which I'm a big fan of, to your advantage. Got a couple things I want to go over before I end the show. I will continue to do the live Q&As on Clubhouse. I do them every Wednesday at 5.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at the Deeper Blue Room. If you want the direct link to that, you can always view that on my resource page, freedivelive.com slash resource. If you're enjoying the podcast, one of the best things you can do is give the podcast a five-star rating. I also now have a survey where you can go in and tell me what it is that you want out of the show. Again, I don't do this show to listen to me talk about freediving. I've done that for 12 years. I don't particularly even enjoy listening to me talk about freediving. I do the show for you guys. So if you'd tell me what you want, uh, I'll be better able to give you what it is that you want out of this program. Another way you can show support is follow Immersion Freediving on Instagram at ImmersionFD. Dive safe out there. It's not even that hard when you can learn for free at freedivingsafety.com. Thank you for joining me today and listening to this episode. I hope you took something away from the show, whether it was a little nugget that you're like, wow, that was so cool. Or maybe you had a big aha moment to help you improve your freediving performance and ability. If this episode helped you in some way, be sure to share this episode with someone you believe it can help. I help you and you pass it on and then help someone else. 
I'm in the process of creating a resource list. This will contain many of the freediving and spearfishing brands that I believe in, as well as many other tools that you will need as you continue to grow your freediving abilities. This resource list will be constantly growing and evolving. You can see it at freedivinglive.com resources. Dive safe out there. It's not even that hard.